that this century is just going to be wildly transformed by um, machine intelligence. Mm -hmm. and, and it's scary to some people. Um, and there's a lot of nonsense that's being said about this. But it is a fact that our world will be completely transformed, it, it, more so than how our world was transformed by computing technology and communications technology in the last century. It's very difficult. It's impossible to predict exactly how it's going to play out. No one can do that. All we can say is that it's going to be big. It's going to be transformative across all industries. Um, we, we can put some parameters around, like what might technically be possible. Mm -hmm. um, but how the businesses play out, how the markets play out, mm -hmm. how, the, how, the, how this changes the geopolitical landscape in the world, mm -hmm. which it will, um, you know, it's very difficult to say. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guest today is a renowned scientist, engineer, inventor, and a serial entrepreneur. He's considered one of the most successful and highly regarded computer architects in Silicon Valley. We begin the new series on Heads Talk with a conversation about brain and machine intelligence, as well as the latest developments in neuroscience and neurotechnology. This is going to be a riveting conversation indeed. But before we get into that, here's a brief message. U.S. Private Capital Forum, Go Real 2023, launched now until the end of March, with on-demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry-specific content and deals on their terms. It will bring together over 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate, and private debt. For details, visit www.eurosforum.org. Let's talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Jeff Hawkins is the co-founder and chief scientist of Numenta, a company that builds AI solutions based on neocortical theory and artificial intelligence. Jeff also founded two mobile computing companies, Palm Computing and Handspring Inc. He's the architect of many computing products, such as Palm Pilot. In fact, Jeff is often credited with starting the entire handheld computing business. Despite his successes as a technology entrepreneur, Jeff's primary passion and occupation has been neuroscience. From 2002 to 2005, he directed the Redwood Neuroscience Institute, now located at UC Berkeley. He has written two books on intelligence and the most recent book, A Thousand Brains, A New Theory of Intelligence. Many of his scientific papers have become some of the most downloaded and cited papers in their journals. With over 100 invited talks at research universities, scientific institutions, and corporate research laboratories, he is a recognized individual on the speaking circuit, a true visionary with a large loyal following, spanning scientists, technologists, business leaders, and even podcasters. 
Jeff was elected to the National Academy of Engineering in 2003 and has received a plethora of personal and industry awards. Let's begin. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jeff to this new series on Heads Talks. Happy to have you here today. Thank you, Elaine. It's happy to be here and I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. Great. Um, first of all, I'd like to say up front, I'm probably not going to do this episode justice because we have a short time frame and I have a lot of questions based on my research, but I had to narrow them down to this and hope that we cover enough to, to at least whet the appetites of my listeners to find out more about this fascinating subject and series here today on Heads Talk. Let's begin with an introduction to your organisation. Tell me and my listeners about Numenta and how and why was it founded? Effectively, your vision, Jeff. So, you know, I always view as um, entrepreneurism or starting a business is a, tech, is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. And in this case, I was interested in advancing neuroscience research on a very particular topic about how the neocortex works, the basis of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And um, I was running a neuroscience institute on this topic, but I felt it wasn't focused enough. And I wanted to have a more focused team working on this topic. So we created, it wasn't quite a pure research organization, mm -hmm. um, but we were doing basic research. So we, we started a company to ultimately we believe that the technology or the science that we we're doing would lead to uh, advances in AI. So mm -hmm. uh, it was a long-term type of thing. It was like, okay, we're gonna be doing this for a while. And the Mentor has been around for over 15 years. And so it doesn't classify quite as a startup uh, and it required different type of financing and so on. Um, but it's been successful. So we started the company to really focus on a particular scientific problem that we thought would have a, a central relevance for the mm -hmm. future of AI. All right, okay, Th thank you for that. That's quite succinct. And um, in my research, obviously I always do a bit of research when, I, when I've got a guest on the show. And I, I really like you to explain to me what is the thousand brain theory. We will discuss your book in greater detail later. I just want to understand this concept. Yeah, so imagine you. we all have a brain, and everyone's brain is pretty similar. Mm -hmm. um, and the largest part of it is this big wrinkly thing you've seen pictures of called the neocortex. Mm -hmm. And that is the organ of intelligence. And it dominates our brains physically, and it, of course, dominates our intellectual lives and informs us. And mm -hmm. so how that system worked, the neocortex, was basically a complete mystery. Um, there was, it's been studied for decades and decades, but no one really understood how it works. And so the thousand brains is, we, we, we kind of got to the core nut of this thing. We figured out exactly, pretty much what it's doing and how it does it. Mm -hmm. And that's what the thousand brains theory of intelligence refers to. And it has two sort of elements, I can give three brief elements to the theory. Mm -hmm. One is that first thing you have to realize is that our brains recreate the world in our heads. They learn a model of the world, just like an architect will build a model of a building we learn a model of the world in our head, and that is the, the basis of intelligence. Mm -hmm. The second thing is we learn that model through movement. We don't sit there statically just feeding information into our brains. We have to move our eyes and bodies and limbs, and this is key to how the brain works. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is we learned internally how to um, uh, using these things called reference frames. The reason we call it the thousand brain theory is because when you we say you have a model of something in your head, it's not one model. Um, you have thousands of models that are complementary and they work together. So something as simple as a coffee cup, say, oh, I know what a coffee cup is. Your brain has a model of coffee cup, but it actually has thousands of models of coffee cups. 
that are all working together, which is a surprising result. Mm. Yes, I know. I, I read that and I actually saw you doing a demonstration of that. And that helped me understand um, some of what you were talking about. I think it was a case of if you only had were able to use one finger and you, you, you didn't have sight and you had to touch a cup and work out what the cup was, it'd be very difficult compared to using the whole hand and, and fingers because each sort of area provides different signals to the brain in terms of the information that is fed for the brain. If you only have a, a single finger, it takes a lot longer to decipher what it is right. you're touching, that sort of thing. I, I thought that was well, the fact, the, fact that, the fact that you can grab the cup with your whole hand and your brain is predicting what it, all the parts of your finger is going to feel. Yeah. This is sort of the key insight to tell us that there's actually many, many, many models of, of things in your head. Um, I mean, the basic idea is pretty simple. Um, uh, the details are quite complicated, yeah. but yeah. you know that we have this distributed model in our heads, and that model is learned through movement. And you know, if we think about uh, the current um, world of AI today, the models that the, the AI systems have today are very, very uh, impoverished. They mm -hmm. they don't have the structure that the the models in our brain have, and and that's why uh, they're not very um, the, the the AI models, despite their successes, are not really very intelligent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm assuming the, the thousand brain theory is kind of like version two because it superseded the, the HTM theory. What was that and, and why is it no longer used or valid, should I say? Yeah, it's, um, it's, not, it's, it's still valid. It, it's partly just a matter of nomenclature and marketing in some sense. Mm -hmm. um, we, <laughs> we use the HTM to describe some um, discoveries we made about neurons, the cells in your head. And mm -hmm. how they work, and um, those are pretty big discoveries, and they still valid. <laughs> so, um, but when we went forward, we were thinking like, well, we have this now much even bigger vision about what the brain is doing. This this distributed mm -hmm. modeling system that's built on the old work, um, and we just felt we needed we needed a, a better term for it. The HTM was sort of a, a scientific sort of blah term. We just wanted to have a mm -hmm. nomenclature to use mm -hmm. in, our, in our literature. But we, we said, no, we're gonna try to promote this theory more broadly. We needed a, a more catchy term, term for it. And we, we thought, and I said, well, a thousand brains is a good one. It's, it, it's meaningful, people can sort of visualize it. So it, it, it was, the old stuff is still valid. It's just, we decided mm -hmm. that we needed a, a different uh, nomenclature going forward. All right, excellent. And, and for my listeners, the HTM theory is the hierarchical temporal memory and you even have a, a whole linkedin page on that where it has sort of lectures and videos dedicated to the topic right. as, no, yes. as part of my research i was plowing through them while i was doing the dusting so wow <laughs> wow well you know the brain is really complicated and we've made a number of significant discoveries over the years and and so every time we do we're excited and we promote it and um, yeah. But yeah, they build on each other. So the stuff that we promoted earlier is not wrong. It's just we've got so yeah. much more now. That's and, what you know, that's um, why I'm recommending it to the listener to just to have a listen and have a watch of that. Some of it's a lot of it's quite interesting. Okay, so, so what are some of the your current research act activities and projects that you'd like to share with my listeners? Yeah. So the the, the thousand brain series really represents a, a huge milestone in understanding what intelligence is and how brains implement it. And our goal is always to take what we've learned and apply it in practical ways, uh, specifically with machine intelligence. And so um, after about three years ago, we decided that we knew enough about uh, how the system worked, the neurocortex works, that we could start creating, um, using that technology, using that knowledge mm -hmm. to um, apply machine learning. So the company really did a pivot 
And um, and so we went from being mostly neuroscientists to now mostly machine learning and AI scientists. Mm -hmm. uh, we still have some neuro neuroscience work going on. I'm still doing neuroscience research and writing papers, mm -hmm. but most of the team is focused now on machine learning and AI. You can take brain principles to improve today's existing AI. So all of your listeners will be familiar with the different advances that are going on in AI right now. Mm -hmm. And um, we can accelerate those significantly like over a factor of 100 mm -hmm. by using neuroscience principles um applied to these existing work uh, so people can do the same thing they're doing now but doing them much much faster and more robustly and we're finding great reception to that mm -hmm. um and we're also building out the full theory we, we have a team that's dedicated to working on the full uh, neocortical theory the full thousand brains theory which is this mm -hmm. learning through movement um using reference frames and so on so we're now plunging headfirst into AI neuroscience, uh, AI machine learning, mm -hmm. and it and we've been it sort of made that transition over the last few years, but it's it's really accelerating now, and we're starting to have customers and, and a lot of corporate interest in, in our technology. Okay, okay, I'm I'm glad you mentioned AI, artificial intelligence. Um, what people today understand as machine intelligence, artificial intelligence, you state categorically is not intelligence. Let's look at that in, in detail and, and understand what you mean. First, how would you describe human intelligence and how does that differ from what we call artificial intelligence? So, you know, a, a number of years ago, I couldn't really answer that question. I mean, we, but now I can. Um, the, you know, we all would agree that humans are intelligent, I think. And, and there are many other animals too. Birds are intelligent, but, you know, there's no question about that humans are uh, one of the most intelligent if, certainly the most intelligent species on our planet. And so we can look at humans as a, as a, as a you know, like, well, there's at least an existence group. Um, but really people didn't understand what humans, how they worked. And so what people then said, well, if we can get a machine that does what a human does, well, then we can call it intelligence. Uh, this was an idea proposed back many years ago by Alan Turing for the Turing test. And I always felt that was wrong. You know, my calculator does math better than I do, but it's not intelligent. And so, you know, even today's AI, these things are really, they can do, you know, play chess better than human, they can do image recognition, but mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily make them intelligent. And we see them, their failings, they don't generalize, they don't, aren't able to uh, take knowledge from one uh, domain to another, they can't learn quickly and so on. So, but, but now that we understand basically what's going on in the human head, I can tell you what intelligence is. And it's something I mentioned, I mentioned earlier. Intelligence is the ability to learn a model of the world in your head or in the system. Um, and it has to capture the structure of the world. So I have a model of my house. You have a model of your house where you live. This is all internal to your head. Um, it's stored in the connections between the cells. Uh, you have models of cars and, and computers and podcasts and people and language. And we have this very complex model of the world um, about everything we interact with. And these models have structure so we can manipulate them mentally. Um, Intelligence is, a, is the ability of a system to learn the structured, a structured model of the world. And today's AI systems learn models, but they're not structured. Like the, today's language models, mm -hmm. uh, that there are these chats and so on, they're just trained on words. The words mean nothing to these models. They have no idea what a cat is other than what other words are associated with the word cat. They don't know that cats have hearts or that they, they purr or they, they're good companions or anything like that. Because they don't interact with cats, they don't really know what they really have any idea what a cat is. You and I have an internal model of cats because we've interacted with them, 
And it's that internal model is the essence of intelligence. So in my book, I talk about, you can have very simple intelligence systems that are small and have, but have the right type of modeling internally mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And you got very sophisticated ones, but today's AI doesn't have this level of, of, of the sort of structured model inside of them. It's very mm -hmm. shallow. Okay, so, so we're not there yet. And you no. sort of start half defining what you consider true machine intelligence. So where are we with this? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. We can look at an analogy back to the 1940s when the computers were start, first started being built um, by pioneers like Alan Turing and John von Neumann. And they had this idea of computation and, and, and that computers were going to be able to do all these things. But it took decades for that really to play out until today's modern computing world. Mm -hmm. um, we're at that similar point right now. We've got, you know, we have today's existing AI solutions, which are useful and powerful, but they're not really intelligent. But, and we're just starting to really understand what intelligence is and how to build them. I told you, my team is doing this right now. This is not, mm -hmm. this is not something that's pie mm -hmm. in the sky. Um, and so um, we're at that point where we, oh, we got the basic idea how to do this. Now we just have to go figure out, you know, how, what are the markets and how to build it and how it's going to play out over time, how it's going to impact society, um, what are the risks associated with it and so on. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we are. I, I, by analogy, I'd say we're in the 1940s of computers. We're in the, you know, the analogy. <laughs> to, but, but what's going to happen, it's going to happen much faster now because yeah. we live in a technology area. We have, you know, huge computers and semiconductors and software tools and so on. None, none of that existed way back then. So this is going to happen relatively quickly. Uh, of the coming years, um, and um, I think you know this this century will be dominated, mm -hmm. like the last century was dominated by the end of the century was dominated by computing technology. This century, in the middle of the century, is going to be dominated by um, AI. All right, interesting. Um, you know, it, it, it is said that the brain is the least known organ in the human body. Why is that? And 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 what is still yet to be fully understood, discovered about the brain? And how far are we from this knowledge, this discovery? You know, so the brain is a very complex organ. In fact, it's not one organ. It's dozens of organs that are connected together. The only thing that's common about them, they're all made of the same type of cells, neurons. Um, what's what, One of the reasons why it's been difficult to figure out how it works, unlike, say, a heart or a liver or something like that, is that it's it's processing information at very fast time scales, um, which you know a heart doesn't do and a liver doesn't do. A liver is just like a filter and it runs some chemical processes, and you you study one liver cell and it's like all the others. Mm -hmm. But here in the brain, you've got all these neurons and there's billions of them, and each one's signaling very fast and the timing. Mm -hmm. So you and we can't. There's no. There haven't been techniques to go in and look at this stuff. You can't just. There's no way of probing each cell these very small scales and seeing exactly how it's behaving at that moment in, in you know that millisecond mm -hmm. so it's a very difficult organ to, to 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 study and that's why the progress has been slow but still there has been almost a hundred years of data collected on the brain so we had this just huge amounts of data and what we've been trying what we've been struggling to do is make sense of it and so i think the thousand brains there really does that if for the first time I, I can tell you that i understand what's going on in my head and what's going on in your head mm -hmm. and um so i think from one level we, we made a really break big breakthrough in terms of how the information process if you're interested in diseases that's a completely different uh, problem or if you're interested in education or or psychiatry or whatever mm -hmm. these are all different fields and so all of them have their own set of issues so i don't want anyone to get the idea that oh we're you know we understand how the brain works no it's a 
extremely complex system, but do we have a good understanding how intelligence is implemented in the neocortex? We do now. We mm -hmm. didn't do that 10 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, at least I'm claiming we do, and um, we have to promote and prove that. Um, so uh, it's just been a very difficult organ to study um, okay. from, from all kinds of technical reasons. So, so, so I'm, I'm putting, putting this out for some of the, the audience individuals that are not versed at all in, in terms of neuroscience. In terms of understanding the brain, if January the 1st is, we have absolutely no understanding, and this December the, the 31st is, you know, full understanding of the brain, are we in March? Are we in June? Where are we? Again, I'll talk about my part of the brain that I studied, the neocortex. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about other parts of the brain because I don't want to make blanket statements about the brain. Um, there are lots of parts of the brain that I, we don't study and, and other people mm -hmm. have to talk about. But the parts that we study, the ones that are core to intelligence, I'd say um, if you said December 31st is like we know everything, yep. that's a long that's a long way off. If, yeah. if let's say June 1st is we are we know enough to build you know machines that work like the brain and are really, really powerful, I'd say we're in um, uh, I'd say we're in March someplace, oh, you know, wow. where, 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 you know, it's, 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 but I, as I said, that's only, I'm not talking decades away from now, you know, we, we've made huge progress again, 10 years ago, I would say we're January 2nd, you know, so things are moving quickly. What's to come if you, if we're in the March period, there's a whole load of months of stuff to come. I think, yeah, but you know, I, I guess the, the, that analogy of the January, December, doesn't really work too well for me, Elaine. I have to be honest. It's, it's okay. more like, I think the analogy I gave before is a better one for me. It's like, in the, you know, when people first figured out how computers are going to work, um, and that was in the late 40s, and, oh, yeah. and by the early 50s, they were building computers. Um, we are in that point right now where we're saying, we're just figuring out how this stuff works. And, and now it's just a matter of engineering as much as anything. It's, it's not like big discoveries, but we have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the brain is like, if you can even say, well, do we understand how you know, muscles work. Well, we can, at one point we can say, yes, we understand very well how muscles work, but there's still mysteries. Um, yeah. And so it's never fully understood, right? But if we understand yeah. it enough to deal with a lot of things. So anyway, I, I think I'm very optimistic. I think we're really far along on this. I, this is happening. It's not like we're going to sit around and you know ponder in front of the whiteboard for another. Well, what, what I'm getting, what I'm getting from you, there's going to be sort of an exponential growth. We're going to really grow quite fast in terms of the knowledge and understanding. Right, of right, the, right. right. Of, of the organs that we study, which are related to intelligence, um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I feel that's already happened. And you know, we we're one of the reasons I wrote a book is I'm trying to promote these ideas, even though we've written papers on them and the papers are doing well. Yep. You know, yep. there's so many people have never even heard of this stuff. So mm -hmm. it takes time to promote mm -hmm. these things and to get these ideas out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to ask this question. It's it's slightly a move away from that, and then we'll we'll come back to your book in greater detail. And um, actually, eagerly await your answer to this next question. And at the same time, a little apprehensive on what you're going to say. Okay, um, are we anywhere near? What we can what can be described as bioengineering or a, a form of in quotes sped up evolution um i'm not a big fan of that um, no? i i you know and i wrote in my book several i wrote about the ideas that you could upload your brain or you could put these brain is it nonsense implants. jeff it's or? not nonsense some of it's just some of it is more nonsense some of it's just you know 
extremely impractical. And some of it's like, why would you want to do that? You know, um, I, in, the, in the book, I, I made a, just some people feel like, well, we should be able to upload our brains into a computer, right? Yeah. And they take this idea seriously. And at first I say, well, you know, they, they don't realize how hard that would be, like <laughs> and almost impossible. But then I said, I don't care. You wouldn't like the result. You wouldn't like the what would happen if you actually could do that. Mm. And, um, and so I don't think people thought through it very carefully uh, at all. Um, yeah. I don't spend a lot of time on that. I find it sort of a, a nuisance. Um, and okay. I think it's far more interesting just to understand how we humans work. That's something that's really exciting to me. And then build machines that work on the same principles. That's pretty exciting too. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll let the other people oh. worry about that. Okay, okay. <laughs> we, 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 will part, we, we will part that question. That's fair enough. We'll part that question. Um, let's, go, let's go back to your, your books. You know, you wrote a book about 16 years ago called On Intelligence um, with Sarah Blakesley. Um, I mentioned this in the, in the introduction. This book explains your memory prediction framework theory um, yeah. brain, and, and describes some of the consequences. If we fast forward to last year, and your latest book, you mentioned it a couple of times, The uh, A Thousand Brains, A New Theory of Intelligence. By the way, I will provide a link in the show notes for the listeners for both books. Um, I, I want to concentrate these next set of questions on your latest book, The, uh, the Thousand Brains. But first, um, what question does the On Intelligence book answer? Well, if the, thousand, uh, the On Intelligence really introduced the idea that the brain has a predictive model. Mm -hmm. um, I called it the, you know, the memory prediction framework, but that is a, I'm now using the word model for that. Uh, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's basically that inside your head, you have this model of the world. And the idea that it's making constant predictions was a, was a key sort of insight. Um, it's not obvious to you, but I, I, a large part of that book is explaining like, it, you've got this internal model that's making predictions about everything. And that's how, that's mm -hmm. how the, the, the key to unraveling it. So we had this idea that the brain is making this model of the world and making predictions, um, but we didn't know how it actually worked. Mm -hmm. um, what happened between the first book and the second book is, book is we made a lot of progress on exactly how that model is, is created, what's mm -hmm. going on in your head. So they kind of follow one another. It's not like one supersedes the other. It's more like Here's, the, here's what we discovered. The brain makes this model of the world called the memory prediction framework. We can use its, its prediction as a way of unraveling how it works, deciding, figuring mm -hmm, out how it works. Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. 15 years later, we come back and say, hey, we've made some really significant progress in understanding how this works. And here's the progress. We call that the thousand brains theory. Oh, okay. um, so, you know, when I wrote the first book, I was just arguing to people like, we should be all interested in how the brain works. And it's fascinating and it's going to be important in the future. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and here's how we go about it. And now so I'm do, like, hey, people, now, now we're doing it. Do people need to read the On Intelligence book to understand the Thousand Books? No, you don't. You, you don't. Although you know, it's interesting. Some of the publishers uh, around the world who are doing translations of A Thousand Brains have decided to republish On Intelligence at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, they felt maybe for their readers. Um, yeah. That 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 yeah, it would comprehensive. do with both, but but I specifically wrote a thousand brains with with um, you don't have to read the previous book. Okay. The previous book is a little bit easier to read. It's a little bit, um, uh, it's a little bit uh, you know sort of sets up the picture in a, a broader mm -hmm. sense. 
Uh, and where a thousand brains is a bit like, okay, let's get let's roll up our sleeves. I'm going to tell you how this thing works here. <laughs> okay, okay, right. Let, let, let's dive into the the, uh, the thousand brains book. Um, it's divided into three sections. Um, can you share in your own words? Um, I know what they are, but my listeners don't if they've not read the book. Can you share in your own words what each section is about? Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. And I'll tell you, it was a little bit controversial that I put these three in there because they could almost be three books. And um, I was told that number, several times, and I just said, you know, I want to get it all down. Um, so here, but they all relate. Mm -hmm. So the first section, the largest section of the book, it explains the theory. It explains the thousand brains theory. It, it, it's in this, as much as I can say layman's terms, mm -hmm. it explains what's going on in your head when you think, how you learn, um, what are the mechanisms that are going on in your brain. So if you, if a reader wants to, you know, it's just curious, like, what's, how does my brain work? Mm -hmm. What happens when I'm thinking? Yeah. It does a pretty good job, I think, of explaining that in ways that you wouldn't be able to read anywhere else because mm -hmm. uh, these are new new insights. The second part of the book is about machine intelligence. It's saying, okay, we've been talking, you and I have been talking about this, Elaine, but it's like, okay, now that we understand, you know, in sufficient detail how, how some parts of the brain work, um, we can build this stuff. And what's going to happen? Um, and how's this, what are these machines going to be like? And what will they do? How will they impact us? And so I, it's really about the 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 future of AI, given um, that much of AI is going to be working on brain principles. Mm -hmm. And then the final part of the book is is a bit more philosophical. Um, it's about looking at humans and humanity, and 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 saying, well, why? What now that if we are intelligent species, that's really the only thing that makes us unique, right? If if you yeah. took away our intelligence, we're not very particularly interesting animals. <laughs> um, and so and so. What, what is our future? What is, what's our purpose in life? Is there a purpose? And where, what should, how should we think about ourselves as intelligence? And I make the argument in the third part of the book that, that you know, our biological uh, phenotype, our biological body mm -hmm. is not really what's important here. It's, and our genes are not really what's important. What's important about humanity is our knowledge. Knowledge is the rare thing. Only you know, only we possess this knowledge. Only we write books. Only we know what the universe is like. Mm -hmm. It's like this knowledge about the universe exists only in our heads and our and our and our books and podcasts yeah. and so on that yeah. we possess. And so I I asked the question, what should our future be? And at a time you know when there be a time in in the universe's arc of history that humans are no longer around, and and what would be our our future? And so I, I have a chapter called um, Estate Planning for Humanity. Uh, which is about like, well, let's think about what happens when we're gone. <laughs> that's good. That's good, actually, because now you've, you've whet the listener's appetite. Um, give us a sense of how the book has been received by by the newer science community and the wider audience, even well-known individuals. Yeah. So, well, you know, uh, I I would say I'm pretty well respected in the neuroscience community. Uh, it's a big community. Um, as you mentioned in your uh, intro in the biology, I, I get asked to speak a lot at neuroscience conferences and we publish papers and we collaborate in neurosciences. Um, I think we are a bit of an outlier in, in the neuroscience world because we are we are um, we are proposing large scale theories about the brain, which is often looked down upon in the neuroscience community um, for various reasons. It's, it's kind of historical. But you know, if you look at the blurbs on the back of the book, these are well-known neuroscientists who are writing very positive things about the book and, and me. Mm -hmm. um, um, but you know, it's a very, very big field, and so I imagine half the neuroscientists have never even heard of me. So it's a huge <laughs> field. It's just like there's uh, there's fifty thousand neuroscientists in the world. Um, so, um, but I think it's been well received. Um, the forward to the book is Richard, uh, written by Richard Dawkins, 
who's one of the most uh, famous scientists alive today. And uh, he wrote a very, very um, glowing um, review of the book, um, which I'll let the readers read for themselves. Um, but you know, I think scientists in general are 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 pretty excited about this. It's um, and um, and I'm sure I'm I'm sure That's I have good. some detractors too. You know, there's you, you, but this is a, you had a big endorsement as well, didn't you? Uh, well, then, then Bill Gates, you're talking about that one? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Can you tell my listeners yeah, about Gates. that? Uh, sure. Um, Bill Gates uh, 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 chose it as one of his top five books of the year. He, he picks five books. He does a little, he does this very, very elaborate video. Yep. Um, the actors and all this stuff, you know, walking down some Dickens Street, you know, with the snow <laughs> falling, looking at bookshop windows. And and, um, and he chose it, it was, he chose it as one of his, uh, his top five books of the year. Uh, that was a nice endorsement. And, um, you know, the book's done well. We've, we've sold um, international rights to many mm -hmm. countries in our languages. So, um, you know, um, it, I view the book as, as one, one, one piece of thing I have to do to help promote the theory when there's lots of things I have to do, mm -hmm. including talking to you, Elaine. Okay. <laughs> uh, fantastic. And, and that begs the question, especially when you talked about part three of the Thousand Brains book, what's the next book within Jeff, even if it's sort of 10 years from now? Can you give us a hint of possible topics? Uh, well, you know, honestly, Elaine, I'm thinking about that now. Um, there's um there's a bunch of topics that are I I've thought about for many many years that are a fascinating interesting idea that um, that I'd like to get in writing before I'm gone, mm -hmm. um, and they didn't they don't necessarily fit in the neuroscience AI category so I didn't I didn't try to attempt to include them in my latest book so I'm thinking about that I'm also thinking about doing a novel and interesting they're taking the last section of the book mm -hmm. um, about the future of humanity. And also the second section about the future of machine intelligence and AI, which I think is going to be crazy and wild. Mm -hmm. um, and how do I? I could I could use a, a novel as a as a a method for exposing more people to some of these ideas, uh -huh. um, and sort of in a sort of a thriller type of novel where there is a, 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 a true scientific background to it, but it's not about the science; it's about the about the. Oh. That's story. So I'm thinking about that. I haven't committed myself to doing that yet. I'll keep an eye out for it. And I'll, I'll <laughs> okay. a link in the, a... your episode description. So all that stuff is there for everyone to find. I, I, I have never told I've never told anyone publicly that before. So you're the first one I've told publicly. Oh, excellent. I've got it's, it's... <laughs> a listener. Yeah, but it, it don't, don't wait around. <laughs> If I, even if I do it, it'll be several years before that. Well, uh, I, I did say, out. even if it's 10 years away. So and you, you've got 10 years to do it. Yes, I'll right, your, right. I'll be knocking on your door. Well, and of course, you know, it's, like, it's not done. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm older than you, Elaine, I think so. And and uh, so, you know, I'm always keeping keeping an eye on that clock, you know, the biological <laughs> clock. You're saying, okay, well, you know, don't want to take projects to take too long, you know. Got to make yeah, sure well, my brain still well, works well. We'll see, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that one. Okay, and, and as mentioned in the introduction, you have given over 100 invited talks at events. Um, what are the more recent and specific topics you were asked to talk about? Uh, well, uh, I, I've done a lot of talks about the Thousand Brains Theory. Um, yeah. 
And uh, because that's a big thing, actually, I, I, you know, I don't want to overstate it, but I don't want to understate it either. Like, this is a pretty big uh, advance. And so uh, when we first did that, we I, I did a number of talks in neurosciences uh, institutes about it and different. Um, and now, um, you know, I'm, I'm giving talks. Um, uh, I've given some recent talks about the intersection of AI and, and mm -hmm. neuroscience. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's an initiative underway at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratories run by a scientist named Tony Zador, which is trying to get more people looking at the intersection of, of AI and neuroscience. And, and, and so I gave a, a talk at that conference. Um, of course, I was during COVID, so we had to do that mm -hmm. remotely. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm basically, I'm promoting this idea right now of, of biological um, neuroscience-based AI, which is which is sort of an outlier idea. Most most machine learning people aren't thinking about that. Um, so um, those are what the talks I've been doing uh, most lately. Okay, okay, that's good stuff. Good stuff. You know, let's let's conclude this episode of its talk with with a look at the future. Um, you've already you've already told us what you're going to be writing <laughs> within ten years. So, <laughs> so what is your prediction? Yeah. You you've also talked about AI quite heavily. That's what's going to be out there. But I'm just going to put that question to you. What is the prediction on, on the neuroscience market in ten years' time? Well, I wouldn't call it the neuroscience market. Um, I, my, my work is there's the neuroscience, which is not a market, which is just like knowledge, like of how does the brain work? There's some, you know, we just want to know that. Mm -hmm. the, the business side of this is going to be in the AI world. And I, as I said earlier, Elaine, the, the, this century is just going to be wildly transformed by um, machine intelligence. Mm -hmm. and, and it's scary to some people. Um, and there's a lot of nonsense being said about this, but it is a fact that our world will be completely transformed, it, it, more so than how our world was transformed by computing technology and communications technology in the last century, mm -hmm. which was a big transformation. Mm -hmm. um, and as I write in the book, it's very difficult. It, it's impossible to predict exactly how it's going to play out. No one can do that. All we can say that it's going to be big, it's going to be transformative on, across all industries. Um, we, we can put some parameters around like what might technically be possible, mm -hmm. um, but how the businesses play out, how the markets play out, mm -hmm. how, the, how, the, how this changes the geopolitical landscape in the world, mm -hmm. which it will, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's very difficult to say. And um, so I find that exciting. Um, you know, you might find it very nervous. Some people say, oh my God, you know what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> but, nervously excited, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. I like that way. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> but, you know, it's like this thing, think about how much our world has changed in the last hundred years. Mm. And it's going to be so much more. And we're going to, it's just intelligent machines are going to be infused throughout our lives in so many different ways. It's, it's hard to even, you know, well, I try well, to take a stab at it in my book, but it's hard. I, I can imagine because, as you know, we talked just before we started recording this. We talked about the automotive series, and some of the stuff that they're coming up with already. I just think, oh my goodness, this is sci-fi stuff. So I can imagine in, in in this neurospace. And the reason why I said neuroscience market because it it was there was a, a couple of other questions linked to it, but I sort of throw them out because I due to time. And this was all about investors and what investors are looking at in that space. And that's why it came across in that sort of sense of neuroscience market but yeah okay uh, this question I, I i want you i want you to sort of answer and think about this one is what do you think about the fate of the pharma industry the medicine market with, with the advent of some of these neuro 
biotechnological solutions to combat diseases and control behaviors and that sort of stuff. It, it's, yeah. When, when I talk to some of these guys, as I said, you know, into the series, when I talk to some of these guys, they talk about the precision and in dealing with certain things and neurological stuff. When that happens, and you no longer need the medicine kind of pharma solutions. How would how would this industry morph? How do you see this morphing? It's it's kind of it's half philosophical and it's half real for for, for you to answer. Jeff. Yeah, yeah. But Elena, I, I, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to take a pass on this because I'm not an expert in this field. You know, I'm an observer, and um, and I don't pretend to know how that's going to play out. It's crazy. Uh, mm -hmm. There's so many. You know, you can pick any field. You pick pharma. You can pick other fields, communications. You could pick, you know, I don't know. There's so many, you know, automotive. You just talked about automotive. Yeah. Our industries are transforming. Um, yeah. and, uh, and and this is because of various technologies, various scientific advances, but, you know, AI as well. And, um, and you know, it, I, I can't pretend to be an expert on these things. So um, I'm going to have to pass on that. I hope okay. you don't mind. It just is like, okay. I don't feel like qualified to answer that question. No, that's um, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, okay. As a side question, then this just popped into my head because you refused to answer my question beforehand. As a side <laughs> question, um, I'm formulating it as I speak. That's why I'm sort of babbling on a bit. Um, do you think there there will be a change in in education in schools as a result? Um, it, it could yeah. be format. It could be content. Um, but, but yes, a real yes. radical change in the. The right. I that, do. I and it's probably, I you know, do. what is it, 200 years old? I mean, do you think it's going to change? Yeah. Yeah, I do. In fact, one of the interesting things happened after I wrote On Intelligence, I was approached by a bunch of academics who study um, education. You know, how do we educate our children? Yeah. And and they were like, and they educated me. They said, you know what? We have, we, we spend so much time teaching our kids, but we have no idea actually what's going on in their heads when mm. we're teaching them. Mm -hmm. And and you know what we and they told me what we need is foundational theories about learning, um, mm -hmm. and so that we're not just like you know shooting in the dark here trying to figure out what you know what works mm -hmm. and what doesn't work, and and it struck me there's a bunch of fields like that psychiatry is like that psychology is mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that uh, education mm -hmm. is like that and I do I'm I'm with you Elaine I don't pretend to know that field but I one of my goals is that when we we are developing very concrete theories about what memories are and how they're laid down in your brain and why mm -hmm. sometimes you have to repeat them and sometimes you don't, mm -hmm. then we can answer, we, it, it, we can answer some of these questions now and we will be able to answer more of them in the near future. And it seems to me that as you just said, that, that there should be a sort of a, at least a, a if it's not radical, it'll be a, a rapidly moving um, a, a technology base about like, what are the best ways to actually teach a brain? What is brain? What are brains? The biology brains need to learn things, mm -hmm. and can we improve upon that? If we if we know how they work, can yeah. we improve upon that? Not like you know sticking our kids in some machine or something, but just you know the different yeah. methods we teach kids and, and how when you teach them and how do you repeat it and um and and so on. I I think that's a fascinating area. I, I think so, and I and I think you know the work that you and your team are doing, the research work, and uh, and the more knowledge you gain. And how the brain works, and, and that whole. I think you're gonna affect a sector or an industry that you least expect that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna impact. And I think that's what's going to happen. You, you've got right. where you're, it's growing, but you're gonna impact a sector, an industry, or something. 
be it in a social form, be it in a military form. And, you know, you're going to affect something that you, you don't expect. Um, right, right. The people, the people, in, the people who invented the transistor didn't imagine they're building communication satellites, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But that, ultimately, that was the requirement, right? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I think that's what's so exciting about the field of, um, of theoretical neuroscience, understanding how brains work, is that it is so foundational to so many things about what we do, about our lives, about what entertains us. Um, and it's like, I always say there isn't an, a more important question about then how do our brains work? Because everything else is based on it. Everything we do as a human human species is based on it. You know, all the interesting stuff at least. Um, so so it's me, it's like, I, I'm always excited about this. You probably can tell, I'm just excited to think about it. You know, that, and so, so, excited yeah. to make progress on it. This is fantastic. So, so listeners, you heard it from Jeff Hawkins. Um, I will put a link in the episode description for you all to sort of buy his book, a thousand brains would be a fascinating read for you all. A brilliant start to the new series on Heads Talk, Jeff. Many thanks for your time and insights. Elaine, thank you for having me on. And I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your other conversations as well. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash headstalk wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.